0: Welcome back to The Whale. In this episode, I'm joined by my father, Doug, who will be recounting some of his experiences growing up in Charleston in the 50s and 60s. And it will begin recording like this. And this is our podcast. I'm here with Doug Conklin, who is my father. Hi. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So do you remember a while ago, a little while ago, that we threw you a surprise birthday party at our house?
1: Yes, I do.
0: <laughs> so that was when well, you 75th were... 75th birthday. 75. So how old are you now?
1: 77.
0: 77. So it was a few years ago. Two years ago, yeah. So, 2019. And before... I've had this vision for a really long time because you have had this incredible relationship with your friends for so long. Like, you know who I'm talking about. your Your intimate group of friends that I asked them... If they would be willing... I've had this vision of writing a book about all the stories that you guys have told my entire life because I can't... I have the short-term memory of a goldfish and I can't remember all the details, but just the way you guys tell it is so much better than the way anybody else would tell it. So you and I have talked a lot about this in the past, but I asked the people who came to send a letter or be willing to share a story about you guys growing up in the thought that it would contribute to this book that I've always been wanting to write. And I am a terrible daughter. And when Harry party walked into the party, he handed me this letter and there was so much going on that I tucked it inside. We have those like lockers when you walk in into our mud room yeah. and, um, So I found this a couple days ago after you agreed to be on the podcast, and I thought, don't worry, there's nothing crazy emotional in this letter, um, but I thought it it would be a good starting point for me to read the letter to you, which I'm now going to finally give to you four years later, (laughs) but I'll read the letter out loud, and then we can talk about... um, you know, talk, start talking about... This would be a good jumping-off point for us. Okay. So this letter is from Harry Party, and it's dated November 1st, 2019, which is when you were supposed to get this letter, and I lost temporarily lost it. But it says, Dear Dougie, since first meeting on Riverdale Drive, we've made many good memories. Let me say I have felt like a part of your family. You and your family hold a special place in my heart. From your grand poo and pug, who always scared the hell out of me, to today with Beverly, Crystal, and your grands, our lives have been woven together. My head still spins when I recall the neighborhood boxing matches, and I will never forget when Ronnie failed up to show for Marsha at the party at my house. He had been helping his daddy fix the dock and stepped on a nail. Of course, it didn't occur to Ronnie to call anyone to let them know he couldn't make it. I remember the time that we were on the way to Ronnie's and you, not me, wrecked the 56 Chevy and took out Mrs. Wilson's mailbox. We never made it to Ronnie's. Instead, we ended up in the emergency room. For a while, we got busy with our families and work, but we all reconnected when we came to visit you in Wisconsin. We had a great time seeing the Mall of America, riding in the motorhome, fishing and hunting, and riding in the sleigh. Our friendship spans many years, and we share so many great memories. I'm grateful to have you as my friend, and I cherish our time together. Happy 75th birthday, my friend. Love you. Harry Party. Mm. So, this letter I will now very belatedly give to you. Um, But let's... So, he mentions Grand Poo and Pug, who always scared the hell out of me. So, tell me... Uh, Tell me about Grandpoo and Pug. Why Why did they scare the hell out of Harry?
1: Well, I think he's talking about Pug. <laughs> Pug scared of him
0: and not Grandpoo? Okay. He
1: was our dog. Uh-huh. And he was a f- purebred boxer. Yeah. And he was kind of aggressive. Okay. And he would, uh, he had a, mean look about him. He wasn't mean, but he had a mean look about him and (laughs) people were afraid of him because of that. Yeah. a a matter of fact, there was a neighbor down the street that uh, had a drinking problem and his wife wouldn't let him bring alcohol into the house. Okay. And we let Pug out at night to run the neighborhood where nobody was out. (laughs) And this guy kept his liquor in the garage. Okay. And he would slip out to the garage four or five times a night and have a drink. (laughs) And... He got pretty drunk one night, and Pug was down that part of the neighborhood, and his, he wouldn't, the man saw Pug, and he was afraid, and he wouldn't come out of the garage, and the neighbor ended up calling us to come down and get the dog so her husband could come back to the house, (laughs) and he, he just, but he never hurt anybody.
0: Yeah.
1: Grandpa was my grandmother.
0: Okay.
1: My mother's mother. All right. And she lived with us. Okay. And she kind of was a second mother to me and my sister. Mm-hmm. And we uh, grew up with her in the house. She's, until uh, she died, she lived in our house with us. Yeah. And uh, and took care of us. She did a lot of the cooking and the cleaning and babysitting and whatever. And she was a, a great grandmother.
0: Yeah. Very good. She was She was hard of hearing, wasn't she? Well,
1: she was a little hard of hearing and she's had trouble, couldn't go up and down the steps. But other than that, she, uh, she was pretty functional. Yeah. And, of course, she was, I don't know what year she was born. It was like 1870 something. Yeah. And she uh, didn't have, she grew up on a farm, didn't have much of an education, maybe went through the fifth grade, mm-hmm. and then she had to go to work in the fields and whatever.
0: In Charleston?
1: Uh, in Earhart. Okay outside of charleston right and she uh, she never had a job other than housewife and mother mhm and she didn't even have a social security card when she died oh really she never got employed so she I, I remember her not even having a social security card and she uh but she was a good grandmother and you know, a good housekeeper and a very good cook
0: so she she kind of lived off the grid, i guess if she well never had back a, in
1: those days you lived in the country you didn't you didn't you didn't
0: work do anything
1: there. you didn't you you didn't have a job you worked in the in a lot part of her life there was no social security right that was a new law back in the twenties or thirties whenever it was put in so she she just never qualified or had a reason to get a social security number because she didn't have a she she had two sons that, uh, and a daughter, and one of them was uh, my uncle, Uncle Henry. He was uh, in the army during World War II mm-hmm. and was uh, because he was killed in an accident. He was employed, and he had a social security. She got a social security payment from his him being killed in an accident, oh, car right. accident. So that's how she got a. That was her only source of income, other wow. than doing seamstress work and stuff like that. But as she got older, she couldn't do all of that, so right. she never, as far as I know, she never had a job, other than doing odd jobs for people, and neighbors, and friends, and whatever.
0: Right. So, Uncle Henry was in the Army. When did he serve?
1: I don't remember the exact years, but he was, he was uh, a, a tank commander for George Patton, General Patton, okay. in the Third Army. And he was in the bat, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, he got a Bronze War, Star
0: in World War Two.
1: World War Two, Battle Battle of the Bulge, was the turning point in in World War Two. And he was a tank commander and got a Bronze Star for for his
0: his injury behavior
1: or whatever he he did. I don't know. That. I never never I saw I've got the medal, but I didn't. There's no letter with it to say what he was recommended for, but. It was with Fowler.
0: Wow. So, and when he got back from World War II, what did, what did he do?
1: He was in what you'd call today advertising. Okay. But back then, it was not called advertising. It was called window dressing. Oh. He would go around to department stores mm-hmm. and decorate the window for certain products with Crepe paper, whatever, all kind of materials that they would give him, and he would he would install that into the window to make it attractive to people walking by to look, say, oh, let's go in there and buy some buy some new shoes or whatever it was advertising. But you didn't have television, right? And had newspapers and print advertising, but that was the only thing there was. So in the radio,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that wasn't visual. Right. But, so he was, I would say, advertising. But back then it was called window dressing. And it was, uh, as you walk down the street, there'd be a window, five by eight or something like that, and it would be all decked out with advertising material. And he, he just wanted to put those in.
0: And he was. That's awesome. I'm envisioning. So anthropology is a clothing store now, and they have the most elaborate you know, displays of handmade, you know, uh, decor, for lack of a better word. So would he make all the things to go in there? No, he,
1: the companies would give him the materials and he would install it. Okay. And, it was, and, and he'd have, uh, he'd use staple guns and sacks to put stuff mounted to the wall and he had to do all of that and arrange everything create the whole window. So
0: he was sort of a creative, I guess. Yeah, he That's was awesome. he
1: liked he liked doing that kind of stuff. He was and he was a bachelor and uh of course had lots of lady friends I think. <laughs> and he st- spent some time at our house but most of the time he had an apartment somewhere and he unfortunately he was killed in a car accident one night and ran off the road and hit a tree, head on and he was killed instantly.
0: Oh my goodness! And
1: that was, I think I was seven or eight years old when that happened.
0: Wow, 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 wow. Well, that's definitely you know to survive World War II, and then come back and pass away in a car accident.
1: That's yeah, really. it was. <laughs> go through all of that, and then you end up with a something could have been avoidable, most likely, but
0: yeah,
1: back then we didn't have airbags and. Seatbelts and that kind of stuff. Right. If you had a head-on collision, pretty much you didn't survive.
0: (laughs) In this letter, he refers to Ronnie failing to show up for Marsha. So Marsha is your cousin.
1: She's my first cousin, yes. Who's
0: always been sort of like Aunt Marsha to me. You guys have been very close. So at one point in time, I remember you saying you guys had a house on Rutledge Avenue. Yep. And you guys lived in the top half of it. Like Charleston houses are split top and bottom instead right. of left and right in a yeah, lot of cases. It was like a duplex, yeah. So she you guys lived in the top and she lived in the bottom of it. So you guys have been close since childhood childhood, really, yeah. She or,
1: was she lived in our in that house when she was born and I was a year old. Okay. So I've known her since practically basically my whole life.
0: Right.
1: She's more like a sister than than a cousin. Yeah, <laughs>
0: thus Aunt Marcia and Uncle Ronnie. So, did were you responsible for fixing up Marcia and Ronnie? Well, were you friends it was, with Ronnie?
1: Ronnie and I have been friends since we were about 15 mm-hmm. and and went to high, high school together. He, uh, I fixed him up with a blind date with my cousin Marcia, and we were working on his dad's dock. At Edgewater Park, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he did step on a nail, and it went all the way through his foot. Was he wearing a shoe? He had on tennis shoes, rubber (laughs) tennis shoes. Of course, back then they weren't as sturdy as they are now. But this nail, rusty nail, went all the way through his foot and came out the top. Okay. And so we had to take him to the emergency room, and with all of that, and uh, and had to get him treated and get docked, and all. We just totally forgot about his date. And uh, go to Harry's party. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next, my, my uncle, her father, my mother's brother, mm-hmm. I worked for him. That was my job. And he was, uh, I was worked in his grocery store on Church Street. And he uh, he would pick me up on the way to work in the morning and bring me home in the evening. And uh, the next morning, he picked me up and he... Read me to ride, act all the way to town for standing up his daughter, and I we and I didn't realize we stood her up until he said something, and so anyway they uh, they went out again and they've been married for fifty six years <laughs> today or when the next anniversary comes up fifty six or fifty seven.
0: That's funny. Well, obviously, she forgave him for standing her up. I, he did she have did. a good excuse, I think. Yeah, well, we the just... The nail going clear through your foot. It was a lot of a,
1: it was a very a lot of excitement. It was a weekend, and the emergency room was crazy. With people <laughs> coming and going, and stabbings, and shootings, and fights, and whatever. So, it was a hectic weekend, a hectic night at the emergency room.
0: So, this would have been in the mid fifties, right? In Charleston? Yeah. So, stabbings late, and shootings. Was it, did it feel? Late fifties,
1: early sixties.
0: Did it feel dangerous, you know what I mean? Dangerous around town?
1: No. Or was, was this just sort of late night exceptions? Well, people going to clubs and whatever, and uh, people have time, you know, where people weren't working, they were off. Usually back then everybody had Sunday off, and occasionally somebody had Saturday off, but it was just the usual thing. It wasn't unsafe. We, you know, my parent, my mother would say, "Go on and play outside, and come home when the light street lights come on."
0: Yeah.
1: And so, and we didn't people didn't worry about kids and stuff. We never had any trouble with people abducting kids or anything like that. So it was an entirely different atmosphere than what we have today. Yeah. Thank, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah. So your uncle's what what was your uncle's name who in the grocery store? Robert. Robert.
1: Wyatt Robert Road.
0: And it was your mom's brother. My
1: mom's brother. Wyatt
0: yeah. Robert Road. That's Roro's middle name yeah. Road. And Marcia's last name
1: is was Road. Was yeah.
0: Road, yeah. So how did you come to work in his grocery store?
1: Well, I uh Unfortunately, my father was ill most of his life. He he contracted scarlet fever when he was 5 years old and it ruined his kidneys. And they can treat that today but back then they couldn't. And so he was he was in the process of going downhill practically his whole life and he died when he was 40. And I was 12. But I was big for my age. I was like 6 foot and 170 pounds.
0: At so, 12? Yeah. Oh my I'm gosh. 13. I never knew that.
1: And so I could do a, a man's job and work. And to help us out, he let me. There was child labor laws were not strictly enforced like they are today. So... I, he put me on salary, and I worked in his store from 12 years old after my father died until I went off to college. And I, for my first year in college, when I came home for summer, I worked there. And then when I got married first time, and and stayed stayed at college full time, then I had to stop working because I couldn't, I wasn't physically there.
0: Right.
1: So he was, he was. Like a father figure, uh, late in my teen years mm-hmm. and middle teen years. Well, really all my teen years. Yeah. He was a uh, predominant male in the family.
0: Did you like working at the... What type of things did you do at the grocery store? I stock? did
1: everything. As I... Made, you know, I started out socking shelves, And then I... As I learned how to do things, I could... Back then, we had our own... We cut our own cheese... Mm-hmm. we would have a big wheel of cheese, and people would want a quarter pound or a half pound of cheddar or sharp cheddar or whatever, and we'd cut the cheese and wrap it up in brown, brown, brown paper, and tie a string around it and put it in the. Put it in I I uh, ended up cutting cheese and ended up cutting meat and ended up grinding meat and ended up taking... we we sold uh, groceries. Delivered, to houses, on Church Street and in in the lower below Broad. Mm-hmm. in in the old days. And we had credit counts. People would call in and order. Mm-hmm. And we'd fill or take the order over the phone. We'd fill the order and we'd have boys deliver on bicycles to the house and take it inside and leave it. And once a month we'd send them a bill and they'd mail us a check. Wow! And even back then when you could buy a big brown paper bag full of groceries for $4, we still had people that entertained a lot that were spending five and six hundred dollars a month for groceries.
0: Wow! Now, when I'm imagining you delivering and whoever delivering groceries south abroad, you know now it's like, ooh, those are probably pretty important wealthy people who live there. Was that the case back then, or Very were they much just so. well, they were
1: local as opposed to out of staters right. that we have today? But we had local uh Fritz Hollings a US senator his office was two doors down the street and we had a lot of uh doctors lawyers dentists uh politicians elected officials that were customers a lot of wealthy people that had big own businesses and were independently wealthy they were customers mm-hmm. so it was it was uh Not the little local uh, Quick Mart type place.
0: Right. This sounds like it was one of the nicer... What was the name of the grocery store?
1: Rhodes Food Store. (laughs)
0: Rhodes Food Store.
1: On Church Street. One block below Broad Street.
0: What is it now? What is it now? Do you remember the address of it?
1: I think it's 107 Church Street. And as you go down Church Street towards the battery, it was on the... As you turned off of Broad Street, it was on your left... And it was, uh, had an apartment upstairs. The middle aged woman lived in the apartment upstairs. And uh, now I think it's a gift shop.
0: Okay. They
1: remodeled it and turned it into a gift shop. I Back then you had was. the heart pine floors, mm-hmm. and you could see through the floors. There was a, there was a, uh, about a five foot tall basement type thing and there was a trap door and you take the trap door out and you could go down a ladder and you could store baskets and boxes and things like that underneath there. Uh Nothing that was perishable but you could put things like that underneath there. Right. And uh, unfortunately it was around behind the bread counter and so you could walk and turn a corner and step into that hole if somebody wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time where Ben Scott Whaley was a very prominent lawyer in town.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> and his wife was in there shopping. And we had two of the employees s- stationed at each end of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And one of them wanted off. <laughs> And Ms. Whaley walked around the corner and stepped into that hole.
0: Oh, no. And
1: scraped her leg really, really bad and had to go to the emergency room. And I remember my uncle was very, very distraught about that. And uh, she she did fine, and she's, uh, she didn't cause any trouble or problems with it, but she, she was really nice, a nice lady about it. But yeah it was, it was an accident, but the guy the employee got in a lot of trouble
0: he was probably, with him being an attorney he probably thought he was going to get sued yeah over he it.
1: was scared of that yeah it <laughs> didn't happen but he he was concerned
0: so did he give her a bunch of free groceries or yeah anything? he would
1: yeah he would when, when she'd come in he'd he'd slip a, a nice roast or something like that in her, <laughs> into her or some steaks and put it in her
0: oh, thank you for not her, her suing you and steak. not
1: not charge her for them. well that was nice so he was he would try to Smoothed it over like that, and it was, you know, it was, it was his fault. But you know, the employee just walked off and got distracted somehow.
0: It was an accident.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, she got scraped up, and had to go to the emergency room. But of course, back then it wasn't it didn't cost thousands of dollars like it did today. Might have costed twenty five dollars, so but right,
0: It still would have been a lot.
1: But that would have been in the late fifties, early sixties. So when you what high school did you go to? I went to two high schools. Okay. I always went to Blessed Sacrament Parochial School in, in West Ashley. Uh
0: huh. And
1: when I graduated from there, I went to Bishop England for two years, and I wasn't too pleased with uh, Bishop England. I wasn't getting the courses I needed to go to college, and I was determined to go to college, so I transferred to St. Andrew's. Mm-hmm. For my last two years, okay, and I ended up being there for three years because two of my credits wouldn't transfer, and I had to go back for two classes. The fifth year, right. So I went went for classes in the morning and then got on a bus and went downtown and went to work for the rest of the day.
0: And you were at the grocery store. I worked at the anything? grocery store.
1: Yeah, that's the only job I ever had till I went off to college. When you went to college.
0: So, what did you did you play sports in high school?
1: Uh yes, I played football for one season.
0: Yeah.
1: And had a had injury that uh I didn't get to play a lot of sports cuz we we didn't have much income, didn't have money to spend on Football shoes and uniforms and stuff like that. So I just didn't get an opportunity to participate in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my friends and neighbors did. But I would always follow them. But we would play sandlot baseball and football in the front yard and that kind of stuff. But I, I, my freshman year at Bishop England, I played football, and I, uh, I didn't have money for shoes, and they had a big cardboard box full of old shoes that might have been 10, 15 years old and half worn out. Right. And I was told that I needed shoes, football shoes, to go pick and find a pair of shoes that fit in that box.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I did, and they didn't fit, but they were too big. They were either way too small or way too big. Mm-hmm. So the pair, that, they were pretty old and half worn out, but they they were you could lace them up but they were about a half size to a size too big. So when I was running laps and stuff like that, it was constantly moving up and down on my feet, on my heels especially.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wore big blisters about the size of a quarter on both my heels, wearing those shoes. And, you know, when I was raised to tough stuff out. You didn't whine and fuss and cry about things. You just dealt with it. And unfortunately, those blisters got infected and turned into gangrene and then I had to stop playing football because I
0: couldn't wear shoes. Yeah, how I'd did wear, they treat that? They
1: put antibiotics on it and cream, mm-hmm. and I remember having a pair of tennis shoes, and they cut the backs out of them so I could lace them up in front, but I didn't have a back on the shoe to rub on that bad spot, oh. and it took, it took, I mean, it went down to the bone. Oh, my God. And on both feet, and it was green, and I guess that's where <laughs> the gangrene comes from. The tissue looked green mm. from infection, and uh, and that took months to heal up, so uh, I I never played football again.
0: I wouldn't um, either.
1: <laughs> and uh, didn't play any organized sports, uh, as I got old. we played a lot of neighborhood games, you know, basketball and football and baseball in the neighborhood.
0: Right. I see in Harry's letter, he mentions the neighborhood boxing matches. Were you... Were you
1: ever in the boxing matches too? Well, uh, that was, he was referring to me and him boxing. <laughs> and he, uh, his brother, older brother, Johnny,
0: uh-huh.
1: was, uh, would, would organize the boxing matches. Okay. And I was bigger and stronger than Harry. Mm hmm. So he would take a g- plastic garden hose and make a ring <laughs> on the ground mm-hmm. right in the backyard and put boxing gloves on us. Mm hmm. And Harry and I would box Mm -hmm. in that ring. Had to stay inside the ring. And uh, he, uh, Johnny, would get me off to the side and said he he wanted me to beat the fool out of (laughs) Harry. He said you beat him good. Yeah, or else I'm going to get you. And he was a lot bigger. He was four or five years older than I was. Right. So I had to unfortunately hit Harry harder than I wanted to (laughs) to protect myself. But we never got hurt real bad. But Harry did get hurt real bad one time. We were playing football and, and, uh, in the front yard across the street from his house. And there was a uh, a chain on some metal post that lined the driveway. Mm-hmm. And it had big bolts going through holding the chain to the post. And we were... I was... Uh, blocking Harry. And I blocked him and knocked him off his balance and he fell back and he hit his leg, his calf, on one of those bolts, rusty bolts sticking out two or three inches and it tore a big hole in his skin. Oh no. You can see all the way down to the muscle. Oof. So he had to go to the emergency room and get that stitched up and then we were lifting weights at his house one time and I dropped a 25 oh, pound plate and landed on my little toe and broke my little toe.
0: Oh no! <laughs> In his
1: house, and that was we were going. That was a few days before we were going on our trip to Savannah to visit some relatives, and so I had to hobble around with that. And there's nothing you could do but put put a piece of tape on it.
0: Yeah. Take so it anyway, we
1: we've had our share <laughs> of injuries.
0: So, you met. You've known Harry. Since you were about, six years, about old. six years old, and you and Ronnie met when you were about 15, so when did Clarence and Ed Hall and Ed Sanders kind of come into the picture? In, in high
1: school. In high school? High school, yeah.
0: Okay, so where did you, so you met them at Bishop England? No,
1: at St. Andrews. Or at
0: St. Andrews, okay, so the last two years. Ed Hall
1: was coming. a couple of years ahead of me, and Ed Sanders was a couple of years ahead of me, but that's how we knew each other because we went to the same high school. And then we started doing things together after we got, Mm -hmm. after I got older and could go out and do things with them. We'd go shoot pool and things like that.
0: Where would you go to shoot pool?
1: Lowry's Pool Hall was the most popular place. And that was downtown Charleston somewhere. I can't remember the street it was on.
0: Yeah.
1: L-O-W-R-E-Y-S or something like that is how it's spelled. And... uh, yeah, you could have. You, he sold p- queues, pool cues. You could buy your own pool cue. I had my own pool cue, and uh, he stored it for you. And you had your name on it. And when you went there to the shoot pool, you just go to the rack and find yours and shoot pool.
0: way oh, you didn't have to carry it around. You didn't have to you? carry
1: it around. And, it and back then, there weren't so many of them that it broken. They were broken. They're all one piece. Right. Didn't have a screw screw together like they do now. And uh, he would he would make it for you. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, he had to keep it. He put a tip on it like he wanted, and get the right length and the right weight and whatever, and uh, so it was customized the way you liked it. And it wasn't very expensive back then, for three or four dollars, something like that.
0: Yeah. Now Ed Hall was really accident prone. Yes. Do you was that? Do you think it's just because he wasn't really risk averse, like? Because he he went on to become a very successful man, Oh, yes. and I think, uh, you know, uh, do you think that kind of had ties well, to that, it? That
1: that and he was just he was very uh, he would take a lot of risks. Yeah, and and he and he was clumsy physically clumsy. <laughs> he was short, squatty type
0: mm-hmm.
1: body type, and uh, and so he would he would tripped and trumbled, tum- but a lot of it was because he would take risks. He wasn't afraid of anything, mm-hmm. and he would do things that he shouldn't have done, and he'd get hurt. And, but uh, it was a combination of those two. I don't think it was one or the other. It was both. Yeah. And he uh, he just uh, had a little bit of recklessness in him, and it ended up costing some here and there.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> he was a lot of fun but he to be was, around. Yeah,
1: his... <laughs>
0: it, yeah, he, as a result as well. <laughs>
1: and he you know his he did was very successful his he was uh back during the uh f d i c closing all the uh savings and loans he was in charge of that for the whole country oh really and he his job was appointed by the president
0: which president you i don't remember? remember
1: which president but they, it had to be approved by the president wow <coughs> and he I was never uh he was in charge of all closing all those you know, savings and loans back during the during the '80s or '70s, whenever it was.
0: Why were they closing them?
1: Because they they gotten too big and too too uh, risky with their loans, and a lot of them went bankrupt and had had to be closed because they're def- defunct. And. Uh, he had to go in and close them up and settle them and sell all the assets and that kind of stuff. So he was, he had a very responsible job in the federal government, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC. Oh
0: my goodness, I never knew that. So I remember when you lived on Riverdale, you used to tell me about walking to the movie theater that was nearby, yes. which is now a restaurant. It's the Mellow Mushroom in West yes. Ashley. It's
1: called Ashley Theater. And uh, it was just at Dana Riverdale. And there was a little shopping area there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm getting ready to show you something.
0: Okay. <gasps> oh, wow. Can I send myself this picture? Sure. It's a picture of the Ashley Theater, who is now. Um, that's awesome. Where'd you get that picture from? Marsha. Marsha. That's awesome. I'm going to zoom in. Alan Freed. Something, she went, Twister Rock and Roll. She went
1: to a, a website about being from West Ashley. Uh-huh. And she wasn't sure about the name. Uh huh. And he replied and showed, sent her the picture. That's awesome. Of the theater.
0: So, would you go down to the theater often?
1: Just about every, whenever I can afford to, yeah. It was pretty much on the weekends because I was working weekdays, but Saturday afternoon matinee. You could go in there and buy a fountain Coke with no ice and get a big sucker. And pay for the movie for a quarter-hmm and you got to watch the movie and look, cartoons came on first and then there was some movie tune, tune newsreels mm-hmm. and we would do that on a lot of times on Saturday and after the games we'd go behind that theater there was a big parking lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we'd play half rubber a stick ball whatever you want to call it yeah in the, in the parking lot Six or eight or ten of us sisters and Who all was there? But uh, that was a favorite thing. A lot I had a lot of westerns. Yeah. And on Saturday afternoon.
0: You told me a story once about you and Ed going to see a scary movie, and pulling a prank.
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> we got snuck a chicken, a live chicken, into the movie theater and took it up into the balcony and kept it covered up so it didn't make any noise because it was dark and when we got to the scary part of the movie we took the chicken out of the bag and threw him over off the balcony into the audience he flew, flew down squawking and scared everybody <laughs> And uh, luckily we never got caught. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knew who did
0: it. Do you, do you remember what movie it was? No, I don't. Oh.
1: I don't remember <laughs> this.
0: Where did you guys get a chicken from?
1: Well, you could buy chickens at the grocery store. Oh, really? Then, yeah. Oh. A lot of stores you could buy live chicken. My grandmother <laughs> would have live chickens all the time, a little pen, and we'd kill the chicken and have chicken
0: oh.
1: for for dinner.
0: You're a little so closer you search to the source of your food tonight. You could, could get up, uh, you guess. could
1: get a, a live chicken in a grocery some grocery stores anyway.
0: Yeah. Did you sell live chickens no, at we, your we grocery store? No, you
1: did No. Oh. But there was some that you could get. Them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that pretty much about that time it was phasing out. Yeah. But you could still get one here and there. That's funny. But fact, uh
0: I always wondered where the chicken came from. Yeah, that we, makes a little Had to buy yeah. it,
1: of course, you could ride out in the countryside and find chickens running off down the road too. If you could catch one, they're pretty hard to catch. Yeah, they're fast.
0: So, what did you guys do when you were hanging out in high school? You went to the movies and we you played half runner.
1: <coughs> we uh, <coughs> back then, one of the most popular things was cruising. When we got a little older and could drive, yeah, we'd cruise to the drive-ins. Yeah. And there was four or five drive ins that everybody went to on a regular basis. Uh let's see in West Ashley was Boodles. I think it's spelled B-O-O-T-L-E-S drive in. And then at the foot of the Ash River Bridge going into town was the patio drive mm-hmm. in. And then the North in the North Area, they didn't even call it North Charleston back then, it was called the north area. Was a piggy park drive-in,
0: uh-huh.
1: and you could go to all those, and people would just drive around and chit chat, and sometimes you'd park, sometimes you wouldn't. You had your windows down. A lot of the cars back there didn't have didn't, didn't have air conditioning, and you'd talk and stop and talk, and it was kind of like the social network, right, of the year of the date of the years of the compared to what we got now.
0: With
1: everybody being online. Yep, and we would go in there and buy, money was always tight for everybody, so we would get a uh, Pepsi or Coke and get three straws and try to drink as fast as you could to get get your share. (laughs) Pass it around the car. But we uh, that's we did that, and then well, we went to the pool hall, shot pool. Uh, we would, uh, uh to play half rubber. We would go to watch baseball games. We had a had a, profe- a semi or not not semi pro, but a minor league baseball team in Charleston, then as well as now.
0: Was it the Rainbows?
1: Uh, yeah, and it was on. Rutgers Avenue, his ballpark, where it is now, mm-hmm. and we would uh, we would go there and watch a ball game once in a while when we had the money for a ticket. And I remember going to a few of them mm-hmm. with, when I was younger. When we lived on Rutgers Avenue, we could walk to the ballpark.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know we'd go. Uh, we'd hunt and fish. Later, after I got into college, I was took up golf and tennis and played some of that. Yeah. But not when we were, you know, younger. We didn't, I didn't even know what tennis was or golf was. Right. Didn't have access to it at all.
0: I remember you telling me, um, so Ed Sanders was always a beach guy. When did you guys really start hanging out on Folly Beach?
1: Right after we met, because they had a, Cottage, oceanfront cottage at the beach at Folly Beach, mm-hmm. and I would go down and spend the night. He he would he had a he had a car. I didn't have a car, but he had a car. and He'd pick me up and we'd drive down on Friday night and come back. He'd bring me back home on Sunday night
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I had to go to work and uh, go to school or whatever. Yeah, but uh, that's when we started in the summertime. In the wintertime we wouldn't go to the beach; they'd close it up.
0: Yeah.
1: It wasn't a year round thing back then. Yeah. <laughs> but uh had a lot of good times at Folly Beach at the pier and bowling. Folly beach had duck pins, bowling for duck pins and that was good. W- was we, it
0: what are, what's that?
1: It's a it's a bowling game that they have short squat pins. You hold a ball in your hand and then have holes in it.
0: uh-huh
1: And it's you get three three balls as as a uh, little small pins It's hard to knock them. Hard to get a strike.
0: And you do it on the
1: beach. You do, no, you do it on a bowling alley. Oh, <laughs> it's called duck pins.
0: Duck pins. Look huh. it up. You I can will. see it's a
1: uh, it's a bowling game. It's just not real popular anymore. It used to be.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I guess it it, it lost popularity because it was hard to automate it. Right. Like you can with the ten pins. Oh. But the duck pins are short, squat little balls, like those pins like that, that high. Huh. And you use he, a smaller ball, and it's really almost impossible to get a strike. Once in a while, you just get lucky. But you want to get, if you could get all, all of them down with uh, two balls, you, you you're doing pretty good. You that doing was doing really good. Yeah.
0: I remember Ed told me once, because he likes to play the guitar, but yes. he's not, you know, a professional guitarist. No. But he told me that um, he used to play guitar for the girls on the beach at Folly Beach. And then once they realized that he only knew how to play two songs, they would they would sit down and get comfortable. And then they realized he only knew the two songs and then they would go away. The girls would leave and mosey on down the beach after they realized they weren't in for a show.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true.
0: <laughs> so when you d- met clarence clarence was a, a character was he he always liked to be very put together he was a yeah, he was a dapper young man very dapper. even when went he to was in military older.
1: school and everybody he wore uniforms and they were pressed and he and they carried that over into his personal life too mm-hmm. he had his hair just right didn't he would uh, walk around stiff-legged because he didn't want to mess up the crease in his pants. Where he ironed his pants, and he did all his, took care of all of his clothes.
0: When he would, you told me once about how he had to sit in the car so he wouldn't wrinkle his pants.
1: Yeah, he kept his legs out
0: like that. <laughs> He'd have to sit in the back by himself with his legs yeah. stuck out.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> didn't want to wrinkle up his pants. he that. he was that way his whole life. Yeah.
0: He, he
1: was he was a great guy yeah. and a good character. <laughs> And he, he came from a family of characters. His mother and father were both characters. How so? Well, his father was uh, was a... Uh, owned a, b- a bar in, on Folly Beach. And his... it was called Kokomo's. And he... He was. He was. Of course, everybody back then. You got drafted, and everybody was in World War Two when, if you're the right age, and he was in World War Two in Japan, and uh, he said that's where he got the name Kokomo because that was Japanese for chicken. <laughs> he was not the bravest person on the street. Right. <coughs> and he uh, he had the bar, and he named it Kokomo's because that was his nickname. And he had a lot of stories, funny stories about the war that I don't remember much about. But I remember he was he was a character, and his mother was uh, her name was Adele, mm-hmm. and she was very hot tempered and very feisty, and she would jump on you with both feet if you said anything that she didn't like, and she was really, really, really hard nosed, mm-hmm. and so Clarence had those two. People and he had a sister that was. I don't remember much about her. I don't remember her name. He had a younger sister, and she was, she was kind of different, but I don't remember much about her. But anyway, he he came from a very, very uh, demonstrative family.
0: Right, and do you think? Because I remember him being very very funny. He was always.
1: Oh yeah. You know.
0: Willing to dress
1: up and yeah, he would, he would clown around and and we we would think of things to do to to make somebody laugh and we'd go to their house and dress up real crazy looking and knock on the door and surprise them and mm-hmm. do things like that. Just uh, especially down at the beach, right? And we would uh, enjoy doing that. And Ed holes Father had a condo on Fowler Beach, and we'd go see Ed there sometimes. Right, and, and uh, surprise visit him. And he, his father, <clears throat> father eventually sold that place, but Ed eventually bought his own condo on the on Fowler Beach. Mm-hmm. And his uh, widow still
0: owns that condo. I remember that. I was in, I think in my twenties and we went to that condo and, um, Ed got the idea that we were going to cook. We were going to roast marshmallows and this is a condo where it's attached. There's no yard. There's a deck out on the back, but there wasn't any fire pit or anything. And I said, well, how are we going to roast the marshmallows? And he goes, Oh, I've got a plan. So they had a flat top stove with no, you know, burners, but just flat top and then he went in the closet and got out wire hangers and we roasted marshmallows on the on the flat top stove and he had probably 10 marshmallows on two prongs of his his wire hanger and if he was holding them those so close that they melted and they fell right onto the flat top burner probably ruining it. And then the fire alarm went off and whatever, and it it just felt like a a normal evening <laughs> that we that were was, roasting marshmallows in the house. That
1: was normal for him. Yeah, yeah. He he was an accident looking for a place to happen. <laughs> but he was a great guy and very good. He was very smart, mm-hmm. smart man. He he uh, he and I spent a lot of time when we were in in college together. We spent a lot of time together doing things and we. Sit in my dorm room and play cards till two or three o'clock in the morning sometimes.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, because of that, you'd have to have horizontal lab in the afternoon. What's that? Take a nap.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> your horizontal. And to lab. Down
1: to your horizontal okay. lab. And if you didn't do that, you couldn't function.
0: Yeah, I, I can, I can relate i had late nights myself so when you were in college i remember you telling me that mr groucho of the groucho's chain was pretty lenient on you guys who didn't have a whole lot of extra money he let you take you know take a tab and get some lunch yep and he was
1: a very generous man he was very uh very generous to charities and to students, and if you were a regular and he knew you, you he could you'd get a sandwich and a meal, and and uh, you could pay him later. And uh, everybody I knew pay, always paid him later,
0: yeah. and
1: and didn't take advantage of it. I imagine there was a few people that did, but I never knew of anybody that did. Yeah. But he was a very good man, and he had a he'd wear a vest and it had all these pins on it from. Like Bucker Cup and donating to Cancer Fund and stuff like that. He had all kind of hundreds of pins on that vest, front and back. Mm -hmm. And he wore that all the time in his store. And had some of the best deli sandwiches you'll ever eat.
0: They still do. They still do. And this was in Columbia.
1: Columbia, yeah. Five points.
0: So when you were... You told me once about how when you guys were really hard up for food, you guys went on a scavenger hunt around Columbia.
1: Yeah, we, uh, yeah, times were tough and we didn't have, I lived off of $15 a week in college, and that included everything mm-hmm. meals, haircuts. I didn't have a car, so I didn't have any gas to buy. Right And clothes, laundry, all that had to be included in entertainment or whatever you did, so times were sometimes we got ran out of money, sometimes I'd go two days without anything to eat, but uh you know I wanted to get get through college. I managed the best I could, and uh so one time we decided we'd do a scavenger hunt to try to get some groceries, so one of the guys had a car. And we went to uh, this neighborhood in a nice-looking neighborhood, and we <laughs> borrowed <coughs> the name of a local church and went to door-to-door and told them we were doing a scavenger hunt for the church Sunday school to get food for the food pantry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we uh, they, people would say, oh, yeah, and they'd bring you stuff, and put it in your in your brown paper bag and canned goods and paper towels, whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they could, well, could get rid of. And I remember one, the last time I did it, we went to, I went to this door and there was a lot of cars on the street. but I couldn't tell where they, which house they were from. So I went and knocked on the door and they opened up the door and uh, right in the living room was a casket and they were having a wake for this person that had died and I said, oh, I said, well, excuse me, and I, I said, well, I'm, I, I'm at the wrong house. I tried to get away, and he said, well, no, what, are you, what are you doing? I told him uh, to spiel about the, about the uh, church, <laughs> and the food pantry, and he said, oh, come on in. He he insisted I come in, and he took me in the kitchen and loaded my bag up with stuff, <laughs> and I got out of there as quick as I could, and never, and that was the last <laughs> time I did that.
0: That was the sign you should make. I, stop yeah, doing
1: God it. was sending me a message. To stop doing that.
0: Well, it's not like you were very well off and could buy your own food. So. Well, yeah. Went I, to a starving college student.
1: I should have been a better money manager, I guess. <laughs> but fifteen dollars doesn't go very far, even back then.
0: No, no, it doesn't.
1: And uh, you know, I, when I came home, I uh, I had to hitchhike, and that's how I got. I. I came home from college, I hitchhiked, and I got home fine every time. I wouldn't do it now, but yeah. back then you could hitchhike. Matter of fact, there was young women out there hitchhiking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I had women pick me up hitchhiking.
0: Yeah. And yeah, one right.
1: time, it was a friend of mine in high school, his mother. Oh, really? And I didn't even know her. I'd never met her, but I knew it was her son. And uh, see, we started talking and come to find out it was His mother.
0: That's funny. And
1: people told strangers would pick you up and ask you where you're going. I said, "Well, just let me off here, and then I'll." Catch. No, we'll take. And they took you right to your house.
0: Wow.
1: Nice people were a lot nicer than they are now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And plus, it was, Charleston was a lot different. Charleston was maybe a hundred thousand people, not seven or eight hundred thousand like it is now. So. Yeah. And didn't they true. only have one bridge across the Ashton River? You, you to cross the Asher River other than downtown, you had to go all up to Somerville, so oh wow, yep, yeah, that was the only bridge there wasn't two bridges, it was just one, yeah, so uh it was a lot different,
0: <laughs> I imagine so, and
1: it was mostly locals, there wasn't a lot of tour well, it didn't have a tourist business, but it wasn't predominant like it is now, and it didn't have a lot of People that moved in from out of state. It's all mostly locals that were living in Charleston.
0: Did they were they doing carriage tours all over downtown? Yeah, back they then? did that kind
1: of stuff. Yeah.
0: And walking tours, I love
1: it. It was not as much as it is now, but it was they had it. But it wasn't as big as it is now because they didn't have that many people.
0: Right.
1: Didn't have the big tourist business. But it was tourist business. But it wasn't the big, the big business back then was the Navy Yard and Air Force Base. That's was the big... And the, the hospitals, there's only two hospitals. Yeah. MUSC wasn't here. You had Roper, one building hospital, Roper Hospital, where mm-hmm. my, my mother my mother worked there. And you had the uh, St. Francis, which was a Catholic hospital. Okay. And that was the one. And they had a TB sanatorium downtown in the medical area. Other than that, there was nothing there. There was no VA hospital. There was no MUSC. It was a lot different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What did your mother do at the hospital?
1: She was the, uh, she oh. started out working in the medical records. This is before computers, of course. Mm-hmm. And she ended up being the head of medical records. And my friend, I just found out in the last few months, my friend Morell Jones, his mother, who just p- passed away in her 90s, Six eight months ago, whatever it was, mm-hmm. she worked for my mother at the hospital. What? And I didn't I didn't know that until a few months ago. Oh
0: no! He
1: said, "Yeah." He said, "My mother worked for Mrs. Conklin," and I just I never <laughs> heard her called Mrs. Conklin by somebody at that. You know, yeah, it's kind of strange, but she was a she was her employee at the hospital.
0: Wow! And, and how that, long did she work there?
1: Oh, I don't know exactly, but over twenty years.
0: Right. And
1: she was a housewife until my father died, and then she had to get a job.
0: Right.
1: And help support the family, and that's what I did also. Yeah. Well,
0: good. Well, thank you. Thank you for talking to me today about Well, thank
1: you for having me. It's been my pleasure. And talk about, bring back some old memories.
0: I know. And I
1: appreciate the letter from Harry. I didn't know it was there.
0: I know. I felt it. I found it, and I I felt pretty bad about (laughs) that i in stuff
1: like that happened i it was
0: in a unmarked envelope and i stuck it in my little um my little my little cubby hole and i it it was so flush it's almost the same color as the inside of it and it just got buried so but i'm glad that it uh it resurfaced at the right time and helped us have a a good conversation about it yeah
1: Certainly did. Well thank and you. Harry's been a good friend.
0: Mm-hmm. He certainly has. He's been a good friend to the
1: last seventy one years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's still around.
1: Yep, he sure is.